This is The Guardian. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Will our love for live music leave us broke and anxious? Can we please talk about the process of getting concert tickets? Step one, have as many devices as you can. So I did the verified fan sign up. It said I would get an email on the 10th and let me know if I got a spot. I just got my ticket. I'm so excited. Tampa, Florida on a Saturday night is making me feel phenomenal. You're listening to Pop Culture with me, Shante Joseph, for The Guardian. January 3rd was, hand on heart, the most anxiety-inducing morning ever. It was day two release of Beyonce tickets, and I was furiously organizing myself and my two friends to get our tickets. The WhatsApp chat was popping off, and I had two phones and my laptop ready, all set up to buy Beyonce tickets. All three of us were stressfully shuffling between devices, counting down the time. When we got our places in the queue, it was not looking good at all. But by some kind of luck or divine intervention, my second phone had 5,520 people ahead of me. And I watched that number drop until, you guessed it, listeners, I got my Beyonce tickets. I just don't understand why prices for stadium tours have become so expensive. And the lengths that we have to go to to get them are so extreme. I couldn't think of anyone better to chat with about this than Laura Snapes, The Guardian's deputy music editor. Uh, Peter, Piper, Picter, Pepper, Roti. (laughs) Is mine in the right place? Oh, I really like peas, actually. They're delicious. Uh, (laughs) Moshy peas, really good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Love it. After practicing our peas, we got into what's making gig tickets so expensive. Oh, God, it's such an interesting question. There are so many things that are feeding into it. I mean, since the pandemic, I think tickets have got really expensive because production costs have massively gone up. After the pandemic, a lot of skilled staff left the industry, and so you've got staffing issues. The cost of materials for building a stage show went up. You think about how much, like, wood and plastic and electricity Mm. and wiring is, you know, in the backdrop to however the Renaissance tour is going to look. A lot of the world's touring infrastructure is housed in the UK, or at least it was until Brexit, made it really, really um, expensive to move that infrastructure across to different places. And then, obviously, obviously there's also a bottleneck at venues as everybody wants to tour, like, tour the record that they missed out 
out on touring in 2020 and maybe mm. they've got a new record by now. So stuff is already really expensive. And then on top of that, you've got Ticketmaster, which is part of Live Nation, introduced something called dynamic pricing. Right. Well, they didn't invent it. Dynamic pricing would happen like on Friday night, if you try and get an Uber at 10 p.m., mm. the cost is going to be higher because the demand is higher so they can raise the money a little bit. Whereas, you know, if you're looking at like Beyonce tickets or something, say you've got a stadium that fits 100,000 people in, you're not going to get 100,000 people trying to book one hotel at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a different equation. And so what that means with dynamic pricing is Ticketmaster will not tell you what the base rate of a ticket price is when the tickets go on sale. And then once the sale starts, depending on demand, they will have a base rate like in the, you know, that they're not telling you. But then the price can rise based on how many people want tickets. Wow. And so, you know, I saw examples where somebody had tickets in their basket, say they cost 115 quid, mm-hmm. and then they pressed checkout and then they've gone up to 300 and something. It's totally, totally wild. All your tickets could just disappear out of your basket. You know, you've sat in that yes. awful queue watching it buffer for like an hour. Yes. And then you think, yes, I've got it. You've texted all your friends like stand down, we're sorted. And then they're gone again. I just think that is insane. On this point of Ticketmaster, they obviously are the ticket provider for a lot of these big stadium tours. And I know that they were also providing tickets for Taylor Swift's era tour. And that ended up being a whole entire mess. Can you give us an overview of what happened? Yeah, so the era's tour went on sale, um, I think it was in November. It was in the US. And so just like to describe the era's tour, it's funny because she's branded it as this whole thing like, I'm going to play songs from every single one of my album eras. And it's like, babe, that's what a tour is. Most yeah. people do that. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe you might not want a song off the debut at this point, but okay. She's done really <laughs> clever marketing around it. Like, all the imaging is, like, her very identifiably from each each different one of the albums that she's released since, like, 2005. Understandably, fans are incredibly excited about this. And so Ticketmaster put it on sale the first stage of it was what they call the verified fan pre-sale. So mm-hmm. in order to get tickets for that, you've got to have a password, which is not exactly hard to come by. I think you've yeah. just got to be on her mailing list to get it. And then register for the pre-sale and then be online when those tickets go on sale. From the way something like verified fan pre-sale is worded, you would then think that there would be a general public sale after that. And that, you know, if you were Ticketmaster, you'd be like, well, we'll give 40% of the tickets to this verified uh, fan pre-sale. Right. And then once they're all gone, that's when we do the general sale. But demand was so high and something weird happened with their system, which meant that 100% of the tickets sold out at the verified fan sale. There's 2.4 million people who got tickets. I don't even know how many people tried to get tickets. And so then there was outcry because the general public had not been given the opportunity to get those tickets. And, you know, you might say, well, if you really cared, you would have been verified. A, it still seemed really hard to get those tickets. But Mm -hmm. like... If you're a Swifty, you're all over that. Say, like, you're a mum of some teenagers who want to go to it, you might not necessarily be so on it with the kind of Swift ticket-buying practices. You were only, for tickets total, it was 116. You're paying $200 fees. No, I know. They're all complaining about the fees. So that was why it's so expensive. (laughs) We got them, though. This huge incident with kind of the Taylor Swift tickets did instill a bit of, like, a fear in everyone. And I definitely feel like I was probably always a bit angsty about buying tickets and whatnot, but I never really had this fear of like everything is going to go until I saw that unfold. And I was like, oh my days, like Ticketmaster, you need to pay for your crimes. Mm-hmm. Because now every time I get tickets, it, it does genuinely feel very anxiety inducing. And what else do you think this huge mess up means for people who are trying to buy tickets for shows? It has created a certain amount of hysteria. I mean... Ticketmaster have definitely messed up. But then at the same time, there is just also this complete disjoint between supply and demand. Like right. if we're talking about Taylor Swift and Beyonce, they're literally two of the most like famous pop stars in the whole entire world. They have, you know, continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger in their careers. More and more people like them. Like mm. I was thinking somebody like Beyonce, 
There's been so much discussion around her ability to put on an incredible live show in particular after Baychella, was that 2018 when that happened? You better call back you with the good like, we know she's a spectacular live performer. Everybody wants the opportunity to see that. But just practically, not everybody can go to it. I also think something that's interesting is, you know, if we think about there basically being no tours in 2020 and 20, for the most part of 2021, mm. there's a lot of young people, young fans, who have never had this experience of buying tickets before. I remember being a teenager, dragging my parents' landline under the, under the door to my bedroom, sitting there on the phone to Plymouth Pavilions. And so you'd be sat on the phone for like an hour. You didn't know where you were in the queuing system. And so it was still really stressful. It was just a lot more analog. I think something that's kind of added to the hysteria now is social media. People are sharing 100%. their experiences. You know, you've got TikToks and stuff where people are showing how many screens they've got open as they try to get something. Mm -hmm. And I think it encourages anxiety and also people showing how like the lengths that they're going to. And it just becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like right. when you when you hear when something's going on sale, people feel like, okay, we're going to war. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. how do we yeah. do this? So after failing to get any tickets last week, we thought, you know what, let's give it our best shot this week. Log on to every device. But it's weird because now I, I don't know any other way to not be. And it's really interesting that you talk about like a generation of people who didn't get to experience concerts and now they are. And this is just what it's like for them. And I do wonder if you feel like that might have some sort of like long term impact on people even being willing to go to shows or people kind of taking more, I don't know, risky routes to get into the shows that they want to see. Like I think of people like loads of people rushing into a shake without getting tickets and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Do you think that sort of like hysteria will basically make people take more risky like decisions? Maybe. I mean, I think it could definitely lead to scamming. Um, I'm not sure about like the physical kind of like on the ground at gigs. But yeah, I think that, you know, there's I don't want to call them like a vulnerable population, but there's a population you could easily take advantage of here, which right. I think that, you know, unscrupulous sellers definitely could do. And I mean, I would personally call Ticketmaster an unscrupulous seller mm -hmm. in this situation. One of the reasons this has come up is Live Nation is a promoter. Ticketmaster is a ticket selling company. They merged in 2010 at um, a cost of $2.5 billion. That's what that company is worth when they came together. Wow. Then you add into the equation the fact that Ticketmaster owns its own resale site, which is where prices get driven up even more. Then they can profit from the second sale of a ticket that they have already sold. So it's like three hands washing the other. It's the Spider-Man meme and all pointing yeah, at yeah, each other. Yeah. That's absolutely insane, though. They basically own every single process of the yeah. ticket buying experience. And there's no one can tell them anything about it, which is really strange. And the only way you can get around it is if you buy from basically like ticket touts, people who can sell you a legit ticket or it could actually just be like complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. And I think that is actually really scary. Do you think we're going to see more people basically like just scamming young people and, and saying that they have tickets for shows that they don't really have. Yeah, I think definitely, I think that happens on like Reddit all the time. I know mm. friends who have been stung that that's happened to. The flip side to that, there was a really cute report in the New York Times about how groups of Swifties in America had organized to try and get tickets for people who hadn't got them. Like they were looking at people putting out like, like cries for help on social media and mm. seeing where people were doing like genuine resales and trying to pair up like supply and demand, oh which was gosh. very sweet. But obviously there's only, you know, that's a minuscule drop of water in the whole iceberg of this situation. Gosh, that's really lovely though. They're organized. Like I just feel like they could actually do anything. I actually feel like <laughs> they could probably run Ticketmaster better. But I don't doubt that. So this whole Taylor Swift scandal didn't start this, but it created a lot of interest in Ticketmaster being investigated for antitrust laws. So can you tell us a bit about that entire case and kind of where it came from and how Taylor Swift basically amplified it? 
Yeah, so um, after the whole the SWIFT ticket debacle, um, I think two sources leaked to the New York Times that the US Justice Department is investigating Live Nation for antitrust practices. So it didn't happen because of the SWIFT thing, but just right. a lot of attention was brought to it because of that. And yeah, the broad inquiry is looking at whether the company has a monopoly over the industry, you know, which means that it's in- encouraging anti-competitive practices because nobody can compete with them. They own the market. They can set the prices. If there were more ticket selling companies, then we wouldn't be in this situation where suddenly it's $5,000 for a Bruce Springsteen ticket. And now I want to move on to talk a bit about the role of the musician in this. A lot of artists make their money through touring. Do we feel that musicians have a say in how much their tickets cost? And should they kind of bear some of the, I guess, responsibility or the burden or the shame of having really expensive tickets that price out a lot of their fans? Artists, especially at that level, can say how much their tickets cost. So I think two really instructive examples were with Springsteen last year when he introduced dynamic pricing for his tour. He told Rolling Stone that for his entire career up until that point, he had told his team to look at the market and said, let's undercut them. Let's be cheaper than everybody else. And he said, we've pretty much been out there under market value. I've enjoyed that. It's been great for the fans. Mm. But then when it came to this tour, he said, hey, like all the guys in the band are 73 years old. I want to do what everybody else is doing. So that's what happened. So he let that happen. But then the flip side of that is... um, Recently, uh, in March, The Cure put a US tour on sale and they had purposely tried to keep ticket costs low. Um, some of them were as low as $20. Wow. But then fans were tweeting at Robert Smith, the band's frontman, saying that they had been hit with fees that then exceeded the cost of the ticket. On one ticket, you could have a service fee of $11.65 no and a facility charge of $10. And then if you were buying like 10 tickets, there would also be an overall processing fee of $5.50. So Smith said that The Cure had purposely not done dynamic pricing. He called it a greedy scam, which mm-hmm. is great, in caps lock, because he always tweets in full, <laughs> t- full taps, caps I love lock. It. But he tweeted, the artist has no way to limit fees. And he was asking Ticketmaster how they're justified. And then a few days later, he said that he did successfully convince Ticketmaster to return $10 per ticket to all verified fan accounts. I think when you deal with a company like Ticketmaster, there is so much opacity from like, when you join the queue, you don't know where you are in the queue. Mm. You get a ticket in your basket, you don't know if it's going to be there when you Mm -hmm. actually check out. You know, in the old days, when you had to, this is even before I was buying tickets, you'd have to like, go and queue at a, a record shop and be mm. given a physical ticket. And so there's like a human there printing a piece of paper. You could understand that maybe there would be like one pound or two pound ticket fees to pay for the like material cost of production or whatever. But you're literally doing it on a website. Like, yeah. And then you get emailed some tickets with a barcode. What is service fee? What exactly. is facility charge? What yeah. is overall ticket processing fee? You have to just swallow it as the consumer because they own the ticketing for all of the big gigs that you want to see. So it's like what... Kind of what can you even do to to push back other than not buy the ticket? Mm-hmm. But then you lose out and then so does the artist. So mm-hmm. then it's like, are there solutions to this? Something I think is going to be really interesting is um, Taylor Swift is currently on the American leg of the Eras tour. There has mm-hmm. not been any rest of the world announcement yet. yet. No UK dates, no Europe dates, nothing like Australia or Asia. So after the disaster with her ticket sales, she said that she had brought a lot of elements of her career in-house over the, cost, over the course of her career, so like merch mm-hmm. and stuff, in order to improve the quality of fans' experience. And she said it was painful for her to watch Ticketmaster make mistakes when she had repeatedly asked them if they could handle this kind of demand and were told that they could. Mm. My suspicion is one of the reasons that the tickets for the rest of the world have not gone on sale is because she's building some sort of alternative. She's bringing this process in-house. You know, I think one thing we have to remember is these are majorly capitalist endeavors. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it's artists paying for their fans. And I think big stadium gigs are beautiful. I think, like, any spectacle which is just... For the sheer purpose of entertainment and making people feel good is wonderful. And those gigs are often the ones that make me cry. I'm really curious about how far fan demand for fairness can make things change. All right, guys, here's what Ticketmaster had to say. 
They've denied any anti-competitive practices and said it remained under a consent decree with the Department of Justice after the 2010 merger with Live Nation, adding there was no evidence of systemic violations of the consent decree. Let's take a real quick intermission. Whilst you're waiting for the show to start, and if you're enjoying this episode, then make sure you're subscribed and leave a cheeky review. When we come back, we'll hear from a manager's perspective. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. We've heard what it is like buying tickets, but how does it work for the musicians on tour? I've got an artist going to Japan in June. Emma Reed has her own management company, Outlier Artists, and manages the likes of Poppy Ajuda. She's previously worked with artists such as Jungle, Hot Chip, and Super Organism. I wanted to know, why do musicians tour? First and foremost, it's amazing for an artist to see a live audience actually reacting to their music. Mm. You know, everything's kind of online. It's not really, you know, you can see how many people are following you on Instagram, but you can't really get a full feel for how an, like, an audience is reacting. A slightly more cynical viewpoint is it is ultimately one of the main revenue streams for an artist in this day and age. You're not making huge amount of money on your royalties and stuff, so it's predominantly live and making money on like sync and adverts and stuff like that that artists are making a living from. As a manager, what goes into putting on these shows? Like, Can you give me an example of like the last show that you organize or Lusha you worked with an artist to organize and what what is it that you were doing in that process the process ultimately starts with like chatting to the agent like all of our artists have a booking agent Mm. they also then have a promoter as well it's talking to the agent working out within the timeline when is the best place to to put those shows it's then the agent going away getting holds on those dates coming back to us with offers on those shows yeah and then, like, once that's all locked in, I mean, that, like, it's depending what size venue you're playing. But if you're playing, like, the O2, like, sometimes yeah. you have to book those dates, like, you know, years in advance. No you way. know, like, when I've worked on Brixton Academy-sized artists, like, we've had those dates on hold for a year. And when you're putting on a show, how does the ticketing work? Like, who decides how much it's going to be? It's a combination. The venues 
don't have anything to do with it. I mean, the, the way that it works is that the promoter that will go to the agent, then the promoter will sort of speak to the venues. They they then agree like a higher fee for the venue. And then once mm. that's sort of agreed, it's like ours to decide what we want with. Right. But obviously the ticket price is then going to be dictated by how much it's going to cost to hire the venue, what other costs are involved, like how much production you want to bring in. But then there's also like a consideration on like, well, how big is this artist? Like, what's the passion for people to come and see them live? Yeah. And and also the artist is going to want to choose a ticket pricing that a lot of the time that's going to be accessible for more people. It's kind of a combination, really. Um, but there is obviously like a threshold of where it can't really drop below. If you're playing like a 200 cap venue in London, like you're probably going to get paid 500 quid for it mm. like as an artist. Wow. I mean, I guess that the good thing is, is that the artist doesn't take any of that risk. Like if the show doesn't sell out, the artist is going to get that fee right. regardless. The promoter takes on all of the risk for the show. Okay. Um, and so their fee is just included in part of like how yeah. much it costs to produce the show in the first place. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Okay. And when you're thinking about how to make a show or make a tour profitable, mm. how do you basically decide how much you need to make in order for kind of everyone to get paid and maybe have some left over? We'll get an idea of how ambitious the artist wants to be. So... Yeah, you kind of got to get the fee and then work backwards from there and work out what all your costs are going to be fitting into that. And sometimes that will mean like, you know, if you're touring the US for the first time, for example, like you might, you know, I've worked with a band previously who didn't take their backing singers because that was just going to cost too much. Oh, gosh. Because they wanted to make a bit more money, but they didn't want to bump the tickets up. So it's kind of a juggling act, really. Sometimes it will be like, okay, we're going on this tour at a certain level. We just want to make as much money as possible, in which case you will squeeze as much money as possible out of it. But then there's other cases where like you're touring the US for the first time. You just want to get out into the regions and like have the opportunity to do those shows and play to new fans. And I guess in terms of other ways to make money, how does it work with with streaming? If you are an artist and your stuff is on Spotify and you're getting like hundreds of thousands of streams, like does that turn into income, like a sizable income for you as an artist? I mean, not really. It's only if you're streaming like millions that it really makes a dent on your wallet. You know, obviously there was a time in the music industry where everyone was buying physical records Mm. and that was incredibly lucrative for artists. But then we went into this period of, you know, Napster and LimeWire and, you know, people just downloading stuff for free. Mm. So we're, we're definitely like in a better position. The artists are now actually being paid Again, like there's so many people that have to take a cut of that before it actually reach the, reaches the artist. You mm. know, like if you're signed to a major a major label, like your royalty split majoritively is probably going to be like 20, between 20 and 25% in favour of the artist. And that's after all of your expenses and the advance that the label have given you is recouped. So then once all of that, you're in the profit, like the label then takes 80% of that. God. And then the artist gets left with the last. Oh and then on that last sliver, like me and other managers come in and go, we'll take 20% of yeah. that. But it's opened the door massively for anyone to release their music. You know, you have all of these like playlists that suggest what kind of music you want to listen to or like base it off an algorithm, you know. And I think the opportunity for being found and discovered is much, much greater. Mm. 
That's so crazy. I always kind of, yeah, I think I always had this assumption, you know, you release a viral song or whatever, then you live off the royalties forever. But it feels like that is such yeah. a I mean, it can small happen. Part. It can happen. <laughs> but it has to be a complete banger. That's like, basically like Mariah Carey's All I Want For Christmas Is You, basically. You need that and then you're basically eating for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're fine. And in, in terms of, I guess, like, the future of touring, like, what does that look like to you? you know, how will technology play a role in it? Do you think more people will do like live concerts in the metaverse or like where they can watch from home or more people will start like streaming their concerts and you can like pay for the stream? Like, how do you think things will go in the future? I think there's always going to be a desire to see your favourite artist in the flesh. Mm. I can't see a world where that gets completely wiped out. Mm. But I can see a world where people are getting more creative with alternatives to actually going out on the road. I used to work with a band called Kerico Benito, who during COVID actually did a live show within Minecraft, the game, which was mad. And like Charlie XCX was on it. And like this other band called 100 Gex, who are from the US. Like, I think there's definitely avenues for that kind of thing. You know, like Travis Scott, like appearing mm. in Fortnite. You know, yeah. it's like, it's super creative and it creates like a talking point. But then you've also got things like the Abba Voyage, you know, yeah. which I have been to twice. <laughs> oh my days. Did you hear it. today on the news? They like, they had their millionth like person buy tickets for the show. Or really? Yeah, and I mean, that's... it doesn't surprise me. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know. It's... It's a bit of an unknown, really. Talking as a fan, like, I, I love watching live music. It's, you know, it's what gets me out of bed in the mornings to do my job. Watching someone perform their craft live is quite special. It's like a moment in time as well. You know, Jay Paul, he's just done his first shows yeah. at Coachella. I'm so jealous. I literally, I could fall down to my knees and cry. <laughs> All of those people there have got the ability to now be like I saw mm. his first ever show yes like, Bragging Rights is yeah. currency yeah <laughs> or like you know Daft Punk but they had, they'd been away for a while and they did like this mad performance at Coachella from 2006 and they basically like got all of the fee they kept getting more of it transfer- transferred over like ahead of the head of the show because normally mm. you'll get Normally you don't get paid pre the show. Like you mm. you might get a chunk of it to pay for production and stuff, but you normally get most of it afterwards. They got all of it up front and they'd like built this like mad like pyramid. You know, watching that on YouTube and just thinking like, oh my God, like imagine being there yeah. in, in the flesh like, and seeing that live and being able to say that yeah. as a music fan, it's quite, it's quite cool. Obviously, the picture is very complicated, but I feel sorry for a generation of young people who are now going to miss out on seeing their favourite artist IRL because they just can't afford it. Personally, I do not want the future to be me dancing at a Beyonce concert in the metaverse. So can we please get it together? Thanks for listening. This week's episode was produced by Hattie Moya, sound design by Mal Lissetto, original music by Axel Kakutier. The executive producer is Maz Ebtahaj. See you next Thursday.
This is The Guardian. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.